Good morning, church. We are so glad that we can gather here in this room and those still joining us online. We are getting encouraged that as some of the limitations have gone away, we continue to gather because we need each other. We had a long time that we were not gathering with each other, we are not seeing each other's faces, but now we can do that. So let's keep encouraging, you know, to come. Those who, if you're online, you're still wondering, we have a place for you. We encourage you to come and bring someone with you so that we can see what the body of Christ is even as we go through difficult times. These are the times the church becomes the church because we've sang about it, we've read about it, the victory and the triumph that only Jesus Christ can give to us. We need it, and the world needs to see that. They don't just need to see what's inside it. We'll be seeing that in the scriptures. As we started out this year, we've been talking about we being people of the scriptures, staying in the Bible so that that we guide and direct our lives. We talk about one scripture, one story, one savior. That is not just for a season of a mini-series, but it's something that every believer you pile upon your life. You continually stay in the Word of God. We'll see that as we talk today. So we've done these other series where we've talked after God's heart. We saw how they, God took David, just a person that he called, but he changed his heart and he lived for God. So we're going to continue in series, and this time we're doing this series in the book of Colossians, we'll be talking about rooted. We'll be dealing with that for the next weeks. And those who do great graphics, they put those together. It's my understanding every week we'll see how it's growing. You know, the roots, the waist, the wind, and everything that makes a tree strong. But as we are introducing get into to rooted, we want to see the church we're going to be talking about, the church in, in Colossae, the, the scriptures we'll be doing in the book of Colossians, there is one message that every one of us in the church, we should always know, this is why we are here. This is the reason a church is there, because what, what's, what's your church about? What's really Northland about? We're going to see the one who is the head, the one who found the church, he gave us his clear matching orders that if you are a church, it is very good to go ahead and get a vision statement, a tagline, you know, with engaging people to be fully alive. Those are all great taglines to be able to say this is the way we'll be able to identify. But the, but the main message was given over 2,000 years ago on the side of a hill over there in Galilee, you know, where there were lots of pagan people in, in northern Israel. But he stood there and says, if you are going to follow me, if you're going to be like me in the world, this is what you should be about. So we always need to go back to that main reference. That it is not, what are you guys saying Northland is about? Let's start there. Then we can come down and say, okay, we are just a group of people here in Longwood and other places where you are joining us. But let's read from Matthew chapter 28. What he says should be the DNA of every church. Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples, some had, one had abandoned him, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Take note of the word there, go. It's always obedience. When they saw him, Jesus, they worshiped him. That's where we always want to start. We saw our allegiance. We prostrate ourselves before him who is the head. The next line goes, 
but some doubted. Even after 2,000 years, it hasn't gone. There are those who have doubts and questions and fill in the blanks. Some doubted. But Jesus went to the core reason that you and I are here on planet Earth today, that what we should be about. He said, then he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the reason we are doing what we do, why we exist as a church. There is no person, there is no other command that is given, but Jesus Christ says, go and make disciples. Jesus Christ says, go and do this. Be a learner and a follower. We are all in a different place in our walk with Jesus Christ. But the one message is clear. We are following him together. If you remember in December, uh, one of our, our leaders here, uh, Tom Harvard, spoke on, you know, discipleship, following Jesus together. We did a series and we climaxed it with that. But we want to be people who are learning and following King Jesus and bearing fruit. There are multiple facets of people are coming into discipleship. We're all in a different area. We're trying to be able to clearly craft that for us at Northland to obey this match in others. His last command, our first priority. That's where the church should be built upon. You know, they refer to this as calling it the Great Commission. That is what Jesus has said. Get out there and do it in any place I call you. That is the reason why we, we exist. So as we come to the book of Colossians, the, the, the connection here is, that is what the early church was doing. You know, we saw some of those 11 that were there on the hillside. They continued to talk with others, and so they got to a place where the church was, in the book of Acts, the church was teaching, multiplying, suffering, difficulties, divisions, and everything was happening in the book of Acts. It was there. But the message was not separated. So when we come to the book of Colossians, we're going to see how the obedience that those people have is what, is, is what we're going to be learning about. So we're going to be seeing the beginnings of the church in Colossae, and then we're going to be also seeing the building of the church. Wherever there is a beginning of the church of Jesus Christ, we could continue to build. So how did this group of people in what is called today modern Turkey, how is it that many, many years ago, probably between uh, Paul's third missionary, how did they hear the gospel? And what can you and I do today to continue this marching orders that Jesus has given to us? So some friends helped me put this together. So the gospel started over there in Ephesus. On Paul's third missionary journey, Paul is in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. That's where he's going to be preaching. He's been doing it all over that place. He was occupying and busy with the gospel. So in Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to Ephesus, number one there. You can read more on ch in chapter 19 later, but I'll highlight some verses that were there. So he comes to Ephesus. He says in verse 1, Paul arrived in Ephesus. There he found some followers of Jesus, some learners they called disciples. So he was there with them in Ephesus, 
and then he proclaimed the gospel. We read in, in verse 10, he took disciples with him and had discussion daily in the lecture hall of Tyrrhenius. This went on for two years. So following Jesus is our lifelong desire. It's not a program. It's not another fad in the church where we do this for the time. Then we, no, this is what we should be talking about. We are following Jesus together. We are learning. We are multiplying. So that's where the church started. So while Paul was in Ephesus, some of the people heard about the gospel. So people came from Colossae, number two. They came from Colossae over to Ephesus and heard the gospel preach. And some people came to know Jesus at that time. They went back to Colossae and started a church. So when you have evangelism, you're always going to have church planting. So they planted a church in Colossae, and that's where we're going to be in our, in our rooted series in the book of Colossians. So the church was there, and they were a young church following Jesus that was proclaimed because they saw Jesus was at a, uh, the head of it. A situation arose in the church of Colossae. There was a problem. I will tell you about the problem and the solution while we're in this book. When this problem happened, Epaphras, in chapter 1, verse 8, traveled to Paul to Rome. Paul was now a prisoner for the gospel. Paul was taken to, into prison in Rome, and some say he was uh, in, in a rented house as a prisoner, and Epaphras came and said, things are not going well in the church there. We have trouble, and things are not going well. So the book of Colossians that we're going to be in our summer series is when Paul sat there in, in, in prison... He says, my chains, we'll see that in, when we finish this book. He said he was in chains, but he's writing this letter to say, if this is the problem you have in the church, this is the solution. So from prison, he wrote that letter. Epaphras was with him. Timothy was with him. There were other people with him in prison. He wrote the letter and said, this is what you do when you have a problem in, in the church. Take it back to the church in Colossae. And that's what we're going to be digging into as we go through the book of Colossians, you may be asking, then what happened? What happened in the church of Colossians? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what happened. There was a problem that people had decided that there would be other type of teachers. They called them false teachers and teaching false doctrine, heresy. And they were teaching that Jesus Christ is not enough. They were saying, yeah, you can follow Jesus, but we have some other philosophical, we have some other worldview, and their problem was, Paul writes about it, he said, see to either no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So they were saying, you know, you know Jesus, but you can add something onto it. Paul says, these people, they have bright minds. And so that's what it says. In chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, Paul also says, some of you have a tradition. If you do this, you could be it's Jesus plus. You can start doing these things. So that was the problem that Paul is writing to them clearly in Rome. But Paul quickly, the rest of the book, he's not going to spend the time trying to tell them what is this problem that they have. He identifies it. He moves on because he says, uh, rather than on Christ. But let me highlight also in the scripture here, at that time, what was the worldview, what was the philosophy, what was the mindset that people were doing? And there are two words I'm going to introduce for us to get an understanding, the confusion that was there. 
Gnosticism, the knowledge to believe that we need to be delivered from the physical world in order to go to the spiritual world. Matter is evil. Spirituality is good. You know what? You just have to be so spiritual. You set aside yourself. You abstinence and all of these things. These are their own mindset they had taken. And as they were thinking about this, they were adding that to Jesus. They were saying Jesus Christ is not enough. And so that, that is it. The other word I have there, the word syncretism, way back in Bible college, we learned the combination of Eastern philosophy and Jewish legalism. The mixing of elements from different religious traditions. Uh, writer and pastor John Stott wrote, a fruit cocktail of religions. So what we are seeing here, the people in Colossae, they said you can follow Jesus, but you can mix it up. Syncretism, Gnosticism, all those philosophical things today continue to affect our societies, our churches, our communities, because people say Jesus plus. You know, I want, to, I want to be syncretic. I want to worship Jesus. But you know, there are some traditional practices we can get involved in. Or all religions are the same. I can come and worship here, and I can go and worship that. Are we not worshiping the same God? That is syncretism, mixing it up. But also is when somebody will select something I want to do for my own good, you know, to say, well, we have a folk religion. You know, we can, we can do some of this folk religion. We can talk to the ancestors and the spirits. You know, we can go to the spirits. My, uh, 30 years ago when I was in the land, you know, there's a place outside the land there. You know where that is very prominent. I made one visit. I haven't been back yet. But they will mix that with religious things because somebody wants to tell you how you can know the future. Then I'll come to church and read the book and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Or down the street here, you know, as I'm going on 1792, there's another place you can just go. I can look at your arm, I can, hand, I can tell you what that is. Then Sunday, I will take my Bible also and want to read it. That is mixing of religion. But you'll be thinking as we go through this series, what are the things that I need to know you are going to face them? They're not going to go away. The question for us to consider is, if I am a Christian and somebody says, I want something else to add on to Jesus, how do I know about what do I know, how much do I know about Jesus Christ that I can be rooted in the faith? How much do I know about Jesus in my life that I am rooted? Or what can others say about us if I am really rooted in Jesus Christ? What can they say? Does this church declare, proclaim Jesus Christ? So that's the background we wanted to set as we come to the book of uh, Colossians that we're going to be studying so that we can have Jesus Christ as the creator, Jesus Christ as the sustainer, and this study is going to show us that even though we may be facing all of these things, focus on Jesus Christ. So that's the reason the book says, rooted, complete, built, fullness, mature in Christ. And we want to build the church upon that. So if you don't mind, I'm going to be reading from uh, Colossians chapter 1. If you don't mind, if you please are able to stand, I will read Colossians chapter 1, the first 14 verses, and then we'll draw out some principles and conclusions there. Colossians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. 
We, thank, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope start up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Father, may the truth of your word be understood and may we apply this to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Let me give you some principles we can draw from this that is talking about the building of the church. So we just talk about the church, the beginning, the church has been established in Colossae, but the church is having a real difficult time, you know, maybe up Northland or many other churches, we're having a real difficult time. But what is the rest of this chapter, we're going to look at how do we continue to build the church by edification and expansion? How do we build each other up and then we can go out? So Paul starts in this way. We'll look at a couple of sections here. The first section is Paul's relationship in ministry. He starts by identifying who he is. And he's saying, I am Paul. I had my experience with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. So I know Jesus clearly. The, the gospel has touched my life. So he said, I am Paul. I am also the one that I am sent. Apostle means sent. So that is his commissioning. That I have known Jesus. He has told me. We saw this even in Old Testament. David was anointed, was called and sent. So Paul is sent out to declare the gospel. But the other thing he's telling us that I don't do this alone. Ministry is always traveling on the wings of relationship. He identifies who is with him in prison. He says, and Timothy, our brother. We need to be looking for those partnerships and relationship in ministry. You can never do ministry one-handed or, or solo. You always look for those who are coming together with you. We'll see the reasons that Paul gives why we need that. So he calls Timothy a young man 
who he had met on, the, on, on, on his missionary journey early in the book of Acts. You know, he was living with his mother and, grandma, and grandmother, and Paul took him along. He was one of those also, he was in a different phase in his life where Paul was teaching him. There were rough edges, but Paul taught him and moved him along, and he became the pastor that the book of Timothy is, is written. So let's look for these relationships we have. So Paul and Timothy, there were others we're going to be finding out were with Paul in prison, but they were the ones sending the letter out to the recipients of this letter. See how Paul calls them. And that's how I call some of, all of you, my brothers, here in this room or there. Paul is saying, you are holy people. He said the holy people in Colossae, that means they are saints, they are set apart for God. And he says, you are the ones that are faithful, faithful to God the Father. Oh, may that be said of us as Christians who are building the church at Northland and anywhere you are, that we are faithful. And so Paul goes on from there, and now he declares the thing he always put on his letters. He says, grace and peace to you. You are not here by your own power or might, or you're not trying to build this church by yourself. You're trying to build it by God's grace, a merited favor, undeserved, and also the peace, the shalom that only God gives. Who are our ministry partners that we can talk about? Who are the friends in your family, in your community, in your small group, or in any community that you say, we are together for the gospel? I pray that we seek those for our church. And also, Paul goes on the second uh, verses from three to eight. He's now talking about how do you know this is a real church? We're going to move into that where Paul says, this is how you know that this church in Colossae that I'm writing about, that I want to tell them how they should deal with the problem. He says, uh, he says the following things about them. It is a church that was bathed in prayer. He says, thanksgiving to God. He said, from the time I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So Paul is saying, you are a church. The mark of a church is a praying people. We want to gather to pray at different times and in different places. Because we pray as if everything depends upon God, but we work as also what depends upon us. Will you be considering ways that you can be joining us? Uh, you're going to, you see it in uh, what's current coming up. We gather right in here the last Thursday of every month, just for two hours, from 6 to 8 p.m., just 6 p.m., to 8 p.m. just to pray. May we be like the Colossians church. We are praying together. The second thing Paul always says about his letters is he's talking about the faith of when they heard the gospel, they believed it. So he talks about the faith and he talks about the love they had in the church and the hope. These are three things that always Paul will show in his letters. Your faith to trust Jesus Christ, your faith to believe in him, your faith to be able to love even when it's difficult, it's painful, it's confusing, trust the faith you have in Jesus. And he says, because you have a hope in heaven. It's not all going to be okay here, except we get to heaven. But we know, we'll see at the end of the scripture, how Paul says this happened. And then he says, for all the believers, the test of the gospel is that it is bearing fruit. Brothers and sisters, if we are not growing and bearing fruit at the Church of Northland, these seats can never fill. We'll just be getting over here at ourselves as a good club to be in. We sing our hallelujahs, we dance and praise God. But the gospel should be bearing fruit. What is the fruit of the gospel? Other people are trusting Jesus and the kingdom is being expanded. 
It's not just to say how nice it is. We need it. We need a great place God has blessed us with and all the services is provide. But the church should be bearing fruit and expanding. Fruit in my own life as I'm following Jesus, but also I am bringing others to Christ. And Paul said, this is what this guy, the next thing is a disciple and disciple maker. Verse 7, he said, you learned it, learning is learning and following, that's discipling. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, a faithful minister, who told us about you. Do we, are we faithful ministers at Northland that we are telling others about Jesus? We're engaging people or we just want to stay in our box here? This man who went from Colossae to Ephesus, he's building a church. He's growing the church, even when it was difficult and messy and all the challenges he's had. But he said, he's the one who started. Imagine every one of us in this room and those online on the sound of my voice. If each one of us, we start to go out and tell the story of the gospel, the good news. If we only gossip the gospel, lives will be changed. The church will be advancing. We want to provide that for you. Yesterday, uh, one of our elders, uh, Dan Hadaway, he's with, with Crew Campus Crusade. He led a class here on how to share your faith. You know, from nine to noon, they were able to equip and empower. We'll be doing that continually. The next one you can check on our, on our website. It's going to come to August, in August. If every one of us make that our business, we will see what Paul is saying here bearing fruit and growing. So we've seen the relationship, we've seen the marks of the church, we want to be the praying church, the church that is proclaiming. Thirdly, we see the prayer points that Paul has in this verse. He said, hey, I know the stuff is hard there in, in Colossae, the church you are going through all of this. Every church have their own season, they go through this. For them, it was the false teaching, and Paul said, this is what I'm praying for you, and this is what you should be concerned about. Let me tell you about the three prayer points that Paul had for them. And he says in verse 9, or verse 8, this is verse 9, let me start in verse, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So he said, this is what? I trust we're doing that for our church and for each individual in this season we're in. He said, I'm praying that, number one, he said, you will have spiritual intelligence. That is, read the word of God. Let the word of God be the one that will shape your life. Spiritual intelligence helps us to know, these are the things Paul says, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, and the understanding that the Holy Spirit will help us. So as you are studying the scripture, God is going to show you his will. Let your will or your movement of God be based on what you heard from his word. Spiritually, he will speak to us. I trust he speaks to me when I study his word. I trust he speaks to you when you watch or when you are hearing me. Next, it says, I'm praying for you to have spiritual, practical obedience. That the result of learning the Bible, the result of studying the scripture, you know God's will, where you're going, but is living in obedience that brings glory to God. So that is what Paul is praying. He says, I'm praying that you will live a life worthy. Let our lives be worthy, not by culture, context, problems, but be worthy of Christ bearing fruit. And then the third request he has for that, you will experience the spiritual power. We just sang about that. And he said, I want you to see the power in verse 10. 
And Paul said, this is the power that you will have, that God will give you in verse 11, he will strengthen you with the power according to his glorious mind so that you may have endurance and patience. How we need that in times like this. In times like this, how we just need to stop and look at the scripture and say, God, we're waiting upon you. Show us where we can live in obedience to you and experience that power. If every one of us, our power in Christ has been together, what a movement for the kingdom will be establishing. How we can be going there fearlessly, proclaiming Christ in these difficult times that we live. What words can describe us as that? So Paul has now talked about the church, but he said for you to correct what's happening wrongly in, in, in um, Colossae there, this is what you need to do. And that's the, second, that's the main thing the book of Colossians is about. Paul says this is what you should focus on, what God has done, what the power that God has shown. This is what the church you should be gossiping or talking about. This is the message you should be declaring, that Jesus Christ is supreme. So from this uh, verse 13 onward, Paul is now telling what the rest of Colossians we will be talking about, that Jesus Christ is the head. He's the master of the church. It's not me or elders or staff or anyone. Jesus is the head of the church. He can break any barrier. Our goal, if we're declaring Jesus, he'll be breaking barriers, he'll be building bridges, we'll not be building walls so that we cannot expand the gospel. Paul says, it's about Jesus. Proclaim him. Tell him, what has Jesus done? It says, we'll go to the next slide. Say, this is what Jesus has done. And I'll read the verse. He said, he has rescued you. Jesus Christ is the one that has rescued us from the darkness. Think about the sin and the pain we used to live in. Jesus set us free. From all of those things that were syncretism in our life, the things that warped our Christian life, he set us free for what? So that he can establish us in his kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus is here, there, everywhere. So if he has rescued you, brothers and sisters, are we not going to herald this news? Are we not going to be the church that, yes, we have our problems, our challenges, our differences, but Jesus Christ, the head of the church, what he did on the cross is where he broke the, the darkness in our lives. When he died on the cross, the, the next verse says, he redeemed us, he set us free. If you are set free with the power of Jesus, what is holding you from not declaring him to everyone. Time is not in our hands. Think about the millions of lost people in our cities, in your neighborhoods, and down the street, in schools and communities. Yeah, it's great for us to gather to worship, but if we're not declaring this good news, this kingdom news of the gospel, oh God, have mercy upon us. That's what built the church, proclaiming Jesus, and that's what Paul is going to be talking about in the rest of the book of Colossians. Jesus is Lord. He is first. He is preeminent. Nothing but Jesus. So we'll be doing that. Let me tell you about a story about a young man I met over 20 years ago here in this church. He was in the student ministry. I found out from his parents that he, the parents drove him here. So he was in church. He was learning about the kingdom of, in this church. He grew up here. And this church was doing what we call mission to Japan. You know, the homestay, the students from Japan, they were paid to come to America. And through this ministry, they were evangelizing Japanese, you know, not in Japan, but right here in Longwood. They would be here at Northland, they would have Bible classes, and they would do all the tourist things there. So he knew the Lord, he was following Jesus, walking with him. And some of the Japanese students started to trust Jesus. And when he was growing up, he left here actually and went over to Japan to teach English as a second language. 
you know, and I'm sure it was hard on his parents. I actually sitting down there. I, they didn't know I was telling the story there. They always start here with their son. That guy was a troublemaker in the youth ministry. Pastor Rob, they actually took a couch and put it on top of the roof. We don't want to know any details. You can talk to his parents there, yeah. But he becomes, <laughs> mom is saying sorry, but he got so convinced that he's been in that country, which has 2.2% of Christianity, is to declare Jesus Christ. He got married there on a Wednesday. They flew with his wife, who also came to know the Lord, and we did his wedding right here, uh, over here in Longwood. But his passion is that this country that has so many other gods and so many other idols, I am going to declare Jesus Christ. And that's what he's been doing. Those of you who are parents here, your kids who are in kids' church, they will say they are offering this week is actually going to that ministry, their children's ministry. Because Gail and his wife, they just baptized their youngest daughter uh, two weeks ago. You know, he baptized. In that country, a church of 150 is mega. It's a mega church if it's 150. But their passion has been to declare Jesus. So he's there, he's studying. I, I think I told Danny, he actually got a degree from Clemson. Hey, go Clemson. No, we'll stop right there. But he actually got his degree from Clemson. Now he's in a PhD program where he's working with NASA right here on the coast. He wants to show about plant and food life in space. So he's there. But the goal about this story, I tell you that story, that when we have our students, our young people, and all of us adults, we are to be proclaiming Jesus Christ. So Gail and his, and his wife in, in, in um, Japan is to declare Jesus Christ. And they are doing that. And we're seeing the result. As we go into this series that is called Rooted, May we be people who are knowing more about Jesus Christ and we're going to be declaring it. May we be the ones that we will tell that even in our circumstances these days at Northland, let Jesus be Lord and we tell what he has done. Let us be the one that we are communicating. Let's walk with him as a follower and a learner, but let's do that. So we want to be rooted. The next song we're going to go in, let's make this our prayer our meditation, where God has placed you in this season of our church. As you hear this song, Beth is going to be leading us in this song. May that be a time of commitment and dedication. May be a moment and say, God, I'm going to be really rooted in him. Let's pray as we hear the song.